the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. It was by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened like this. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. They replied, We'll come with you. They went out and got into the boat, but caught nothing that night. It was light by now, and there stood Jesus on the shore, though the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus called out, Have you caught anything, friends? And when they answered, No, he said, Throw the net out to starboard, and you'll find something. So they dropped the net, and there were so many fish that they could not haul it in. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. At these words, it is the Lord, Simon Peter, who had practically nothing on, wrapped his cloak round him and jumped into the water. The other disciples came on in the boat, towing the net and the fish. They were only about a hundred yards from land. As soon as they came ashore, they saw that there was some bread there and a charcoal fire with fish cooking on it. Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore, full of big fish, 153 of them. And in spite of there being so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples was bold enough to eat, to, bold enough to ask, who are you? They knew quite well it was the Lord. Jesus then stepped forward, took the bread and gave it to them, and the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after rising from the dead. After the meal, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He replied, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Look after my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked him the third time, Do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. I tell you most solemnly, when you were young, you put on your own belt and walked where you liked. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and somebody else will put a belt round you and take you where you would rather not go. In these words, he indicated the kind of death by which Peter would give glory to God. After this, he said, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. I hope you had a beautiful Easter. I hope it was really blessed. I myself had a very beautiful Easter this year. Good Friday was quite busy, a bit tiring. But in particular, the, the celebration of Easter, for me personally, was a really blessed moment. Many of you may have been at the vigil and been able to contemplate the beauty of this fabulous liturgy where we see the Easter candle brought in, in the dark church, all of us with our candles uh, and contemplating the way that that represents Christ, symbolizes Christ. And I hope that that, the whole of that liturgy, seeing the baptisms going on, gave you a powerful spiritual experience. It certainly did for me. An experience of the beauty and the majesty of the risen Christ, of Christ victorious over death. But that is now three weeks ago. And it's the third Sunday of Easter. And I don't know about you, but I think now is the time when that contemplation, that spiritual experience, has a little tendency to die away, to deflate a little bit. You know, like a bouncy castle, when they let the air out of it, and little by little, it goes down and it flattens out, and we go back to normal. We just return to that usual day-to-day -day state of life and feel a little bit deflated. And that can lead us to ask ourselves the question, okay, Christ is risen from the dead. Christ rose again. But what does that change for me in my life moving forwards? Maybe it was a powerful spiritual experience, but, but that won't last. That feeling of joy and contemplation probably won't last too long. And then we ask ourselves, well, what has changed? It hasn't made everything in my life simple. Most people's lives aren't simple. And this celebration of Easter isn't going to make your life all of a sudden simple, uncomplicated, luminous. 
It won't make your complex emotions and feelings all just become happy and easy. It won't make your whole life feel meaningful all the time. It's sometimes something that people expect when they enter into religious life, actually. They think that following their vocation is going to make everything simple and meaningful and beautiful. And maybe it does to begin with, but then after a while they realize that all the complexity is still there. That darkness that is in us is still there. We can struggle with the same temptations as before. We can fall again into sin. Christ seemed very present, but maybe now we're entering a period of spiritual dryness. That may be the case for some of you, where Christ seems to be absent. And like that, it can leave us with this question. What does it change for me? If I still feel the same, if I still have the same problems, if I have the same struggles, what has it changed? Well, it has changed something. The change is that you have a friend. Ever since Christ rose from the dead, you have a friend in Christ. And that is not a negligible change. You'll, you'll understand what I mean. If you've ever found yourself in a situation where you didn't have a friend to turn to. That was the case for me at one point in my life. I was 20 years old and I was studying Russian at university. And so I went to Russia for a month with some of my classmates. But none of those classmates were very close friends of mine. And I found myself in a host family who weren't very welcoming. They were quite mean, actually, to me, and a little bit exploitative. And I felt very, very far away from all my friends. Felt like I didn't really have anyone to turn to. And it's those moments you realize what a blessing it is to have a friend. Back in those days, you know, I didn't have a mobile. Mobiles didn't do roaming, that kind of thing. I'm showing my age by telling you that. Um, and so I couldn't just pick up the phone and, and ring one of my friends. But it's not just about geographical isolation. Because maybe you've been in one of those situations in your life, one of those more crucial moments, and you've realized that even if there's a lot of people you could call on, that you could ring up, somehow you don't want to just talk about it with anyone. That there are not that many friends that you can really open up to. For example, if you have to make a, a big decision in life. Or in certain painful or complicated situations that you find yourself in. Maybe in your family, in your marriage. You realize that you may have a lot of contacts in your phone, but how many will really understand Ah, oh, there you go, that's the contact in the phone ringing up. <laughs> you realize that not many of them will really understand what you're going through. 
Or those moments where we feel vulnerable, where we've lost courage. Maybe moments when we've acted badly, when we've let ourselves down. There's not many people that we can turn to. But we have a friend in Jesus. And in today's gospel, we see St. Peter making that discovery. We see him after the resurrection. Christ is risen from the dead. Christ has appeared to Peter already. And yet, even though Jesus is risen from the dead, Peter, Peter is still kind of directionless in his life. He still doesn't really know where he's going. And we see that by the fact that even though Jesus has risen from the dead, Jesus, Peter says, I'm going fishing. For a fisherman like Peter, that means I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to the way things were before. As if nothing had happened. He doesn't know where he's going, and so he just goes back to where he knows. Even though Jesus has risen from the dead, Peter still encounters failure. Just like we see him here going fishing and yet catching nothing all night. That experience that we can have in our lives too, where things don't work out. But if Christ is with us, how come we have these experiences of failure? Even though Jesus is alive, Peter is still consumed by that sense of guilt that he has over his betrayal. He can't forgive himself, having betrayed Jesus three times. And that's why it's so beautiful, the way in which, in today's Gospel, Jesus himself comes to Peter. To show him that he has a friend. A friend who's there to reach out to him. He's tired. He's weighed down by this experience of failure. What does Jesus do? Jesus comes to him and shows him love and affection. When you want to show somebody love and affection, what's the best thing to do? It's make breakfast for them, right? If you want to show somebody you love them, you've got to make breakfast for them. It's, it's the best way of convincing somebody that you really care about them, is to make breakfast for them, to make them their favorite breakfast. My favorite breakfast is avocado on toast with poached egg. If any of you want to show me at any point... Peter's favorite breakfast was barbecued fish, apparently. And that's what Jesus makes for him. So beautiful, such a beautiful gesture that Jesus has. Such a simple gesture. It's true, this gesture symbolizes the Eucharist. Because the fish, for the early Christians, was a symbol of Christ. Showing the way in which Jesus gave himself, Jesus gives himself to us. That's what Mass is. is. We can think about this 
very simple, friendly meal that Jesus prepares for his friends that speaks to us of the Eucharist. Peter is directionless. He doesn't know where he's going in life. But Jesus is there like a good friend and he reaches out to him and he grants him a share in Jesus' own mission. That's so beautiful. What a good friend. That even though Peter has betrayed, Jesus reaches out to him and grants him a share in his own mission. Feed my lambs, says Jesus. The best way of going deeper in a friendship with somebody is to undertake a great mission together. Peter is consumed by guilt. He can't forgive himself for having betrayed Jesus three times. And yet Jesus, like a good friend, like the best of friends, comes to him, reaches out to him, and gently eases his pain. Says words of consolation. Words also of truth, but truth spoken with such gentleness. Peter, do you love me? That's the friend that Peter has. That's the friend that we all have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, as the old song goes. That's what Easter changes. So even if now that experience, that feeling of joy and wonder at the mystery of Easter is beginning to die down, something has changed because we've gone deeper in friendship with Christ. It's an enormous change. But remember, it's enormous in the way an acorn is enormous. An acorn is enormous, right? Gigantic. Because it's going to grow. An acorn is going to grow into a mighty oak. And it's the same with the change that Jesus operates in our life. It might feel little. It might feel like things are almost exactly the same as before. And yet if we're patient, if we give it time, if we're faithful, then it will grow into the greatest of all the, of all the trees. Friendship takes time. Friendship takes patience. You can't boss your friend around. There's no one-click ordering in love. So if that's your case, if you feel a little bit like the bouncy castle that's deflated since Easter, then call out to the Lord and wait on him. Remain faithful to him. And in his good time, he will reach out to you.